Did you know in Arizona, taxpayers have choices about where to direct their state taxes? If you have a desire to help families afford the education they choose for their children, sit back, listen, and be inspired. You are listening to Creating Future Leaders with Catholic Education Arizona. Welcome to Creating Future Leaders with Catholic Education Arizona. This is Colleen McCoy-Sika conducting an interview today with our guest, Father Tom Eckert. Catholic Education Arizona is a school tuition organization that uses tax credit contributions from individuals and corporations and turns them into scholarships for students. The best part about being connected with CEA is knowing that you have a choice in where your state taxes go and helping children and families to choose the education best suited for their needs. Today's guest is someone I have actually known since I moved to the the Valley in 2013. He's a Holy Cross priest, and he was sent to be the pastor here at St. John Vianney in Goodyear. And he quickly learned when he came here the value of the magic of Catholic Education Arizona and tax credit scholarships for families as a pastor of a church with a school. So he's here today to share his experiences and his wisdom. So Father Tom Eckert, welcome to the podcast. Good morning, Colleen. It's great to be with you, and it's very exciting. This is my first podcast. How exciting for both of us, then. Absolutely. Before we jump into things about about CEA and your experience there, can you just share with us a little bit about yourself? I am originally from Indiana, so I'm a Hoosier, and I am the youngest of a family of 14 children. So I have 10 sisters and three brothers. Mom and dad, we are very blessed. They are in overall good health. They're 90 and 91, and they're enjoying the, the fruits of, of all of their labors over the years of, of raising their family uh, with their 49 grandchildren and what? current count 77 great-grandchildren. Oh my gosh. But, you know, lots change in a few weeks. So there could be a couple more. I, wow. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Amazing. So... My, my family background was a, a very good one. And one of the things <clears throat> that my parents valued was Catholic education for us. In our hometown, there was a Catholic high school. For most of uh, my family that went through, though it did close uh, before the last five of us graduated, the previous ones had the opportunity to go through a Catholic high school. I went through a Catholic grade school uh, through uh, sixth grade before then switching to our public schools. And so the background I had in Catholic education and my family's dedication to Catholic education was very formative for us. It was always a high value, and and that was was great. Uh, I then went to the University of Notre Dame and graduated in economics and Spanish uh, majors in 1995. And then it was through my time at Notre Dame that I met the priests of the Congregation of Holy Cross. And that fed my desire to not only be a priest, but a religious priest of the Congregation of Holy Cross. We are educators in the faith, and we educate minds and hearts. Those are some of the ways that that we are known and kind of identify ourselves in our educational ministry. That time in formation in the Congregation of Holy Cross also gave me the opportunity to spend a couple of years in Peru and Chile, honing my skills, not only working in one of our schools near Lima and another near Santiago, but it also gave me a chance to kind of master the Spanish language. And that was one of the things I wanted to do in that experience 
was to see what we were doing internationally around the world, because uh, Holy Cross is global on five continents uh, that we serve, and also to be able to use Spanish. And that was a wonderful way to put what I learned in the classroom into practice pastorally. And then later on, as a Holy Cross priest working at the University of Notre Dame, I did a two-year master's in Spanish literature and then taught in the Spanish department as well. So coming to St. John Vianney, a bilingual parish and school, Perfect. It, I, had, I had great preparation for that. So many amazing things and really, really perfect buildup for being in the community that you've been in for all these years and, of course, preparing you for what you're going to do next. But that'll be a whole other podcast. One of the main tenets for the Congregation of Holy Cross is from our founder, Blessed Basil Moreau, is our trust in divine providence. Yes. And so everything, truly, I believe that everything that I was asked to do and was able to experience before coming to St. John Vianney, it was all providential. It was kind of that perfect preparation for then what the Lord asked me to do. Then let's go back to the day you came to St. John Vianney, taking this belief that everything that you had done before that was preparing you for what happened when you walked in the door here. What did happen when you walked in the door here? It was now almost almost nine years ago to the day uh, when I arrived to start my time as pastor here, I served here at St. John Vianney in 2002-2003 for one year as a deacon. But then at the end of that year when I was ordained, uh, I was asked to return to the University of Notre Dame to minister there as director of Latino ministries. And so I did that for eight years. And at the end of that eight years, uh, my provincial contacted me and said, we would like you to consider returning to St. John Vianney as pastor. Immediately, I joyfully said yes. I, I felt that that one year was not enough. There was so much more mm. to do, and it was very sad for me to, to leave. Even after that one year, we had formed a great family a connection here, a great community here that I just enjoyed so much. The one thing that I did say, I just reminded my provincial, I said, you, you realize I served in a parish as a deacon and that's all <laughs> and 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 now you're asking me to be a pastor but if you have confidence in me then then absolutely i think the thing that i i enjoy the most in terms of the relationships those those were easy i had come back most of the summers uh, to visit and help with masses here and so i knew a lot of the families and it was a very warm welcome when i returned as pastor so one of the things that is uh, very clear, you don't know exactly what is waiting for you. Uh, it was good to be to be welcomed again into into the parish family, into the school family as well. The one thing that was probably the greatest surprise for me, when I was here as a deacon, there were 370 students, and that was the peak of the school. And when I returned nine years later, there were 200. That ended up being kind of what I realized was a major component of what I needed to be focused on. The parish side, the ministries, they had flourished. And, and there's mm -hmm. great joy in everything that we were doing. There were major problems with enrollment and with our school and with the economic piece of that. And that was the first kind of big challenge that I had to look at. Enrollment is a challenge across the country in Catholic schools, of course. I mean, that's a huge conversation. But trying to figure out what resources you need and how you're going to address that problem, that makes it real. So you did tackle that problem. Can so you talk about the process? What did you do? Everyone had the same question. And the question was, Father, what's, what's the number? What number do we have to hit before you close? 
Oh, no. That's so that, what you walked into. I walked into people from all of my leadership councils asking out of fear, are you going to close wow. our school? I listened, and then that next month's round of meetings, it was still the same question. And everybody was focused on, are we closing? I, I have to table that conversation. I have to ask that we, we not focus on what's the number or when are we going to close. I am going to take this year and figure out how can we fix it? How can we address it? Now, there were a couple of reasons for that. My own background in Catholic education. I know how wonderful the experience of a Catholic school can be. I also understand from a big family how challenging it is financially. I mean, imagine my right. parents putting 14 children through Catholic school, learning later my dad, even though some assistance was offered at times, they never accepted it. Oh they were too proud to accept it. And so they were all in. I had to figure out what's happening here. Tabling the, the closing discussion, it was also because I personally know my fellow Holy Cross priest who started the school in 1992, Father Joe Capora. <laughs> and for anyone listening that knows him, I'm a baker. He's a boxer. If there's one thing I'm not going to want to be responsible for, it's closing Father Joe's school. And That's so, good motivation. So that was really good motivation. Again, you know, in a little bit I'll talk about like not being motivated by fear. Like some, a little sometimes, bit. sometimes fear is, you know, that, that kind healthy. of pressure is, mm -hmm. is, is okay. One of the things that had to receive attention was figuring out what our reality is. Pastorally, what's happening here financially. Uh, and so I spent a good part of that year working with our, our councils and, and accountants to find out like, okay, where, where are we? What were we doing here at St. John Vianney? What are we about here at St. John Vianney and Catholic education in general? What I realized was, you know, on, on our street here, there are seven schools. But what, what I realized was um, the ability for people in our parish to access really good education, it, they didn't have great access. One of the things that I truly believe is whether, whether public schools or private schools, like we are all preparing those future leaders for a community. And so it can't be a zero sum game, right? It, it has to be everyone working together and doing what you do the best that you can do it because the whole community has to work together. And at our parish, which had 2,700 registered families when I arrived. And we are now, I believe, over 5,500 registered families. So we have doubled the size of our parish in the nine years that I've been here. Everything has to be as good as it can be. You know, school choice. You know, having the parents have that ability to make the best decision for their child. I love the fact that families have that ability here. My plan and mission and goal then is to do like in my little corner of that, to do that as well as we can. You know, working with the diocese, which was great. Uh, we did a, a full search for a principal and it was someone who through the whole process was a homegrown person here. Mr. Doug Waivota has been our principal now. Uh, next year, he'll start his eighth, eighth year. year. Oh my. Um, yeah. And before that, he and his wife uh, were part of the baptism teaching team. He was someone that knew the parish very well, and he had served as um, the director of a new teacher mentoring, you know, for a school district. And so, and he had 20 years of educational background. So it was someone who I didn't have to teach the mission. He knew it. He had been living it on the parish side with his family for years. We had to put mission over finances because what I learned was when people started with finances, they operated out of fear. And I truly believe 
that if that is the main thing that you start with, you cannot grow. But as a church, we are mission. Things really do fall into place when you lead with that. It's it's over it's, and over again. It's really amazing. So early early in my time in that in that second year, the, the diocese had brought in consulting firm to to help schools. So pastors and principals were able to meet with them, and they gave us a whole presentation on these are things you can do to put students in seats. After that first year, during that second year, we made our changes. And then over that summer, because people saw like changes were happening, it renewed their confidence. I was meeting with families. I would see them come out of the church after mass and they would have one, two, three, four, five mm-hmm. kids. And I would say, have you ever thought of Catholic education? Ay, pero padre, es tan caro. You know, it's so, so, but father, it's so expensive. Like, Catholic education is for rich people. And I'm like, would you have any time this weekend to meet and talk about how that might be possible? And so I started meeting to to hear what they had to say and to try and educate them about kind of as our as our bishops continue to call us to understand Catholic education needs to be accessible, affordable, and attainable. As I said before, Father Joe's a boxer. That's how he he made his dough, so to say, so to speak, in the ring. Well, I started baking pies. And, and the long and the short of it is kind of that, that parable of Padre's pies uh, at St. John Vianney. That first summer of growth in 2013, we went from 196 students. We had 276 students. We grew by 80 students. And the thing that helped get them in was the pie fundraiser for registration fees. That was the practical piece, the financial piece. But the mission piece was something that was kind of terrifying for me as a pastor because I ended every conversation with those families saying, trust me. What they didn't know was I had to do that same thing with God. I had to trust God that what he was asking us to do here at St. John Vianney was to trust. This is not a time to close the Catholic school. This is a time to invite the faithful in. And it was really difficult because I didn't know for sure that this was going to work. I had to trust if I was going to ask the families to trust. As the consultants were talking to the, the pastors and principals about about get kids in seats, I raised my hand and said, we have 80 new students, but we don't have the funding for them. <laughs> they, they hadn't had a situation yet where people actually had the kids, <laughs> new kids in the seats. So like a growth of 80 <laughs> students over a summer. We but have them. We now have what do we them. do? <laughs> now what do we do? And that was exactly it. So after kind of that stunned silence, I was introduced to uh, a person who helped change the trajectory of St. John Vianney. And that was at that time the the president and CEO of Catholic Education Arizona was Paul Mulligan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, through then Superintendent Mary Beth Mueller, she said, uh, you need you need to reach out to Paul because they are uh, a resource that, that might be able to assist. You came from out of state. You came from Indiana. I came here from out of state. I also actually moved here from Indiana. I'm from Ooh, Illinois. But we, yeah, we both came from, from Indiana. <laughs> but when you come here from, uh, from another place, and because we know that hundreds of people are moving into the valley every day from other states, that they may not know the the gift of tax credit scholarships in Arizona because it's such an it really is such an incredible gift. It took me a long time once I moved here to understand. And I was assistant superintendent of school at the time. So I'm right there in the thick of it trying to help schools like yours. How do we do that? Well, here with tax credits. 
So you connected with Paul Mulligan, you start to learn the ins and outs of tax credit scholarship, and all of a sudden, what happens? You have a way to fulfill that promise that you made to your families. <laughs> Absolutely. There are two sides or two directions for the organization of Catholic Education Arizona. One is having individuals and, and businesses or corporations direct their tax credits to the scholarship fund, mm -hmm. to the student tuition organization. And the other side are the families that apply for those funds to help them with scholarships. So it was a kind of that, that two-pronged approach, right? So in, in those early days of learning, I, I was learning as much as I could. And did I completely right. understand everything? No. no. <laughs> but did I, did I get the basics? Yes. And if you have any questions, just call. You know, so I was sending people down to the office like crazy. Absolutely. You know, just like, we love I, that. <laughs> I can't, you know, I'm not, I'm not a tax advisor, but we can help we you can help understand you. Understand the idea. I kind of with some of the, the folks here at St. John Vianney, we were taking trays of cookies to tax preparers explaining explain the concept concept of the tax credit of the STOs of you know you're helping your local community you know we went to the fire stations we went to the police stations and we're like you know hey is there any way that we can get some kind of like competition within the department who can direct the most individual tax credits to our school or to the general fund that helps the poorest of the and the most in need? Part of it was educating the public because we have a mm -hmm. very low percentage. I think it's less than 10% of the Catholic population of Arizona actually puts their state tax liability toward one of the STOs, That's toward right. Catholic Education Arizona. So if we just had another 10%, mm -hmm. if we could just double that at a certain point we would have that ability to have an even greater choice for parents because it would help offset that cost even more the other piece oh from the pulpit i mean just constant and and consistent messaging always joyful and i never mentioned saint john vianney parish apart from saint john vianney catholic school it's always been saint john vianney catholic church and school we are one community mm -hmm. we have one mission and so just that constant messaging was was very good. Paul Mulligan, without letting me know he's gonna be out here and without prompting, I did like a few minutes on, you know, and and you know, if you don't know about Catholic Education Arizona, da, 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 and, and I went on and on. And he was like, he's here's a pastor doing that that doesn't even know I'm coming. But that was what I was doing every week. We would have information sessions in September, October for people that do their taxes in the fall. We would have them in February, March for people that do their taxes you know, in the spring. So we found all kinds of different creative ways to get new people to do it. Engaging people in our mission, that's educating their minds and hearts as well. And they can see the return on their investment. But let, so let me ask you a question though, because often we contact from, from the Office of Catholic Education Arizona, we contact parishes constantly. We have two, two people who, are, who work directly with the parishes, right? And sometimes a pastor will say, we have capital campaign going on, or you know what, we've got the CDA going on. And we, you know, I just, my donor fatigue is a, you know, is a huge thing. And the difference is, and you just, you hit on it a couple minutes ago, educating the community about what a tax credit is because it is not a donation. It is, no, it is not anywhere near the same thing as donating to capital campaign or CDA. As a pastor, how did you catch on to that so quickly? And you just kept promoting Catholic Education Arizona, and you didn't 
ever feel like that was going to take away from your CDA or from your capital projects? That's where the, the constant and consistent messaging comes in. So if you only talk about Catholic Education Arizona once a year, it's going to feel like it asks. These are taxes that you pay. So do you want someone in an office somewhere deciding where your state tax that you pay goes? Or do you want to decide? Given that choice and understanding, I don't know of anyone that's ever going to say, I would rather someone else decide where my money goes. Now, that's, that starts with the pastor. Because as pastors, it's really that constant messaging. If over the course of a weekend, when you do a Catholic Education Arizona push, if you have a conversation with 20 people that are new, they've never done Catholic Education Arizona before, those 20 people now have the information and they participate, that is going to be an average $20,000 that could be directed to your school or the general fund. Like once you're seasoned and you've been humbled as many times as the pastor gets humbled over the course of a day, let alone a week or a month or a year, you say, I don't know all the answers, but I know the resources mm-hmm. here. That's Re- right. Reach out, reach out to the office and they will be able to, to answer accurately. And I do think there is some trepidation on the part of leadership sometimes where they're afraid to begin that conversation because they don't know all the details of how to, and and I understand, I was that way too. You have been affiliated with Catholic Education Arizona in several different ways, really. Because of that ongoing conversation with Paul, we grew our school that first year of growth by 80 students. The next year, 45. The next year, it grew by 40. Paul saw, and and he, uh, he had me come in and address the, the board to let them see because sometimes when you serve on a board you you don't you don't see that day-to-day fruit or the blessings that come from from the work that you do in in guiding a mission or guiding an organization people on the board they're not they're not there in the office day today they're not at the school day today we can read reports and we can hear updates but Paul wanted them to hear from someone on the ground and so he invited me to come in and address address the board and not only thank them, but also to really encourage them. In that first year of growth, there was a wonderful gentleman I talked to a couple of times and it was tough because he had five kids, but he trusted. So the next year when we said, you know, we would like some parent volunteers to talk to families after mass, families that might be interested in being new school families, he was the first one wow. to volunteer. And he he pulled me aside. You know, he said, Padre, quiero que sepas que, que a principio entramos nuestros hijos a la escuela por su beneficio, pero cambió toda la familia. You know, he said, Father, I just want you to know that, that we put our children in your school for their benefit, but it changed our entire family. Now, the kids remind us to pray before meals. The kids remind us to lead them in their night prayers before they go to bed. Isn't that what every pastor would want to hear? That one of the ministries of their church changed the life of an entire family? That's what we exist for. What kind of advice would you give to other pastors? So if there are pastors that are concerned about the financial repercussions, it's they're not competing for your family's discretionary income. So it's kind of giving that reassurance that there's a different way to understand this. And it's it's not a competition. It This is one of those few things that it's not a zero-sum game. There's no downside. And so that would be kind of another piece of advice for, for pastors 
especially if you don't have a school, let us in. It's not going to hurt your your nope. plate collection Mm-mm. and it will change lives mm-hmm. for future leaders who become future leaders for our diocese and our state and our country. And that piece of advice to pastors is if you want to re-engage or engage new families, joyfully concentrate on your school and the mission of the school because that's what re-evangelizes. That family that said we did it for our kids but it changed our whole family, it will change your whole parish. My next step in my own ministry, I've been asked to be the director of the Holy Cross Mission Center. This kid from Indiana is going to help oversee missions in 13 countries on five continents for the Congregation of Holy Cross. I never could have dreamed what God had in store. And it's the mission of what we do that has to lead us. Because when we lead with mission, if it is God's work, the rest will come. Thank you so much for your time today, for everything you've done for the community here, and everything that you are going to do to make the world a better place. Thank you, and thank (laughs) you for your work with Catholic Education Arizona. And uh, God bless you and keep you strong. Thanks, Father Tom. Thanks for being a guest. And that's going to be all for our podcast today. It is always a great day at CEA. And we'll see you next time. You have been listening to Creating Future Leaders with Catholic Education Arizona. For more information, visit us at www.catholiceducationarizona.org.